Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome. So good to see you here at worship today. If you're welcoming or joining us online as well, I welcome you to worship today too. Um, we're so glad that you're able to join us. We're in the season of Lent. Lent is a time before Easter as we especially reflect on our need for a Savior. And during this Lenten season, we're, uh, we're in a series called Repent. What does it mean to repent? So last week we talked about what it means to reflect on our need for a savior that uh, it's it's like the the closer we get to God and his truth, the more our own sinfulness is reflected back at us and uh, we very much are in need of God's grace. And uh, today we're talking about um, what it means to, to, what, what are we talking about today? I just lost my... Reflect regret, regret for our sin. Now, once we reflect on it and understanding that we need to uh, really have godly sorrow over our sin, we're gonna talk about godly sorrow today. We're also taking communion. So it's a communion service where we'll invite you to participate with us in the Lord's Supper. We believe that we are very much in need of God's grace and he offers that to us in the bread and the wine as he gives us the very body and blood of Christ in, with, and under the bread and the wine. We call that real presence. And he offers that to us for the forgiveness of our sins. So if that is your confession and your belief as well, we invite you to join us to celebrate the Lord's Supper a little bit later. Um, also, I want to point you out to point out to you the announcements in your bulletin. Um, there are a couple things like Easter flowers. We like to decorate for Easter coming up next month, and so if you'd like to order flowers for that, there's information about how you can do that online. Uh, also, Lenten suppers not this coming week. Uh, on Wednesday, but on some of our Wednesday evenings, we're offering a dinner at our Faith Ministry Center before our Lenten worship. And the next one uh, is coming up in a couple weeks with some really amazing pulled pork. So again, there's information in your bulletin announcements about that, how you can sign up to join us for that. I hope you will, because it is always a treat every year. Um, Out in our commons is um, a display with care cards that um, are just an opportunity. They're like business card-sized cards you can hand to somebody and be an encouragement to somebody. So check that out. It's off to the left by the drink station there. And then uh, also want to point out about a a Bible study coming up starting is tomorrow. You're starting this, right, Ben? So Ben Sherbarth is actually going to be leading a study on the book of Revelation. If you ever wonder about this strange book of Revelation, uh, Ben's going to start explore that tomorrow morning. That's at our Faith Ministry Center at 9.20. If you are not normally worshiping at our Faith Ministry Center and you still want to uh, get access to that Bible study, it is going to be recorded not live streamed, but recorded so you can get that on our website after the fact so you can follow along with that as well. And uh, I know that Ben will have some really great insights into the book of Revelation and uh, hope that you will learn and grow from that as well. That's the announcements I have. Are you ready to worship? I'm gonna hand it over to Mike and the band and we're gonna sing. Stand and sing as we're able.
confession to our God. First, as we look at the words of Psalm 32, which says, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against him and in whose spirit is no deceit. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy, for there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. 
God is omniscient. He knows everything about us. He perceives our thoughts from afar and he knows every thought before it is spoken. We take comfort in the words of St. John. If anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice of our sins and not only ours, but also the sins of the whole world. Like we just sang in the previous song, Jesus is our comforter, our counselor and prince of peace. He is our defender, deliverer, king of kings. He is our refuge, redeemer and Lord of lords. He is all that we need. Let's now humble ourselves and reflect on our sins, things known and unknown, things done and left undone. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you and our neighbor in thought, word, and deed. We are truly sorry and humbly repent. In your compassion, forgive us our sins, things known and unknown, things we have done and failed to do. Create in us a pure heart, O Lord, and guide us by your spirit so we may live according to your will and bring honor and glory to your name. Amen. Our God is amazingly gracious in his forgiveness. We, because of our sin, deserve eternal death. It sounds harsh, but this is the consequence for sin. You sin, you die. But God has called us out of death. He's raised us to new life in Jesus, taking away our sins in Christ, not because of anything we have done, but because of his goodness and mercy. It's my privilege as one of your pastors to announce God's grace to you, to assure you that you are forgiven in the name of Jesus, amen. Maybe seated as we sing.
God, how we need you each and every hour we need you. You are our one defense. As John said, our, our advocate. We, um, we are broken without you and we're in desperate need of you. Pour out your spirit on this room, we pray. And to on, on every single person who has gathered wherever they are in worship today that you might fill them with joy, with assurance of forgiveness and new life, and strength to face whatever challenges are before them. And we ask it in the name of Jesus, amen. We turn to the word of God each time that we gather together in worship and Today, we're looking first at the New Testament book of 1 John. It's a letter from the Apostle John to the people of the church of his day. And John says this, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, 
We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now for the reading of the gospel, I invite you to stand as we hear from Jesus, his words in Luke chapter 18. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance he would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the gospel of our Lord. Please be seated. You ever, ever have one of those moments of instant regret? I, I, had, I can think of one very vividly from a few years ago. I know this is gonna come as an utter shock to all of you, but an argument broke out between my kids at home. It happens in pastor's families too, yeah. And one of my son's, called my other son by a pretty nasty name. And I just snapped. I mean, I was in his face. It was like a, a visceral, deeply emotional reaction. Because I, I can remember hearing words from people I loved calling me pretty derogatory names as I grew up. And so that deep soul kind of pain that was inside just came out and I was in my son's face and I said, don't do that. And he jumped back in shock. And I had that instant, immediate weight of shame. God, why did I do that? What did I just do? In my 20 plus years of 
being a pastor, I've found that that kind of weight of shame is universal. Guilt visits us all. It's like an unwelcome companion that comes around. We don't even remember the first time we met guilt, but there it is. It's always around. But this is what we're gonna talk about tonight. Guilt is not always a bad thing. And you might think, well, how is that, Pastor? How is guilt not a bad thing? Well, for one, it's actually one of those things that distinguishes us from the animals. So a little over 10 years ago, my wife and I had an opportunity to go to Kenya. And while we're in Kenya, we went on a safari in the Serengeti and we saw the lions and the cheetahs chasing after wildebeests and gazelles and zebras. And we saw vultures picking off all of the flesh from the bones, uh, from the carcasses laying out in the Serengeti. And I will tell you that out in the wild like that, it is a murderous, violent place with zero regret. There's no remorse among the animals. No predators thinking, God, why did I do that? As he has a baby gazelle in his mouth, right? It doesn't happen. There's, guilt does not pay them a visit. But it visits us plenty, which actually you can, can attribute to conscience. God has given us a conscience. Romans chapter two in the New Testament says that God has written his law on every human heart and our conscience bears witness to that fact that we know God's law, even if he never said anything, it's written on our hearts. Now, again, that's not always a bad thing. Say it this way, there is good guilt and bad guilt. I'm gonna point you to 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. Paul says this, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. Worldly sorrow brings death. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation, but worldly sorrow brings death. So there are at least these two kinds of sorrow and guilt. Regret, right? There's godly and worldly. Worldly sorrow, worldly guilt is when you feel sorry for something you did, not because it was wrong, but because you're having to pay the consequences, right? You're, you're having to deal with the, the backfire from what you did. You know what I'm talking about? This is sort of a sorry, not sorry kind of a thing, right? I'm, I'm, I say I'm sorry, but I'm not really I just am sorry that I have to deal with someone being mad at me or something. That's worldly guilt. And there's certain ways that in the world we deal with guilt. Um, one of those ways is that we just justify ourselves. We justify our, our actions. This is where yeah, but comes in, right? Yeah, I'm sorry, but you made me mad. Yeah, I was undercutting my boss, but you have no idea how hard it is to work with him. Yeah, I was looking, 
But if she wasn't wearing what she's wearing, get it? Right, you start to justify yourself. That's not godly sorrow. Very closely related is this one, blame. Blame. Just shift the fault to somebody else. Point fingers. You don't have to feel guilt if somebody else is at fault, right? So blame Biden, blame Trump, (laughs) blame your parents, blame the dog, anybody and everybody but yourself. This is a pretty popular one nowadays. And it's a pretty old one. It happened in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve disobeyed God. They brought sin and death into the world. And what are they doing? God comes to Adam and he says, what is this that you've done? And Adam says, the woman that you put here with me, right? And what does the woman then say? No, the serpent, she deceived me and I ate. So there's this blame, pointing fingers. That happened in the garden in the very beginning and it still happens today. You know it, right? You could point to this all over your life. Another kind of justifying is comparing. Well, I'm not that bad. You know, at least I'm not like, and just fill in the blank, whoever that is. This is the, um, the Pharisee that Jesus talks about in the parable that we heard in the gospel reading from Luke 18, right? God, I, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even, even like this tax collector over here, right? It's comparing. That's one way that we take care of our guilt. We justify ourselves by comparing ourselves to somebody else. But justifying is not just the only way that we deal with guilt. Uh, I know a mom and a dad who didn't want to hear their baby screaming in the back seat of the car as they were driving home if the pacifier fell out of their baby's mouth. And so they just crank up the music until they got home. That sounds horrible, but this is, a, that is actually a big way that people handle guilt today too. It's not literally music, although sometimes it can be, but... You turn up the turn up the volume on work. It is, I'm just going to work. I'm going to get so busy that I, there's no room for guilt to sneak in. Or I get busy with uh, with my friends and social media, so I, I there's no space right for me to even reflect on what I've done wrong. Busy yourself with working out physically, um, entertaining your mind through Netflix or gaming, whatever, right? We, we turn up the noise. And another worldly way of dealing with guilt is deny. Deny, deny, deny. This is a big one today. Our world does not want to say that anything is a sin, that there's anything wrong. You can't tell me that what I'm doing is wrong. This is good for me. It feels good, right? There's nothing wrong with it. So who are you to judge? And who is God to judge? No, we just, I don't have to deal with guilt if there's no sin, right? It's another way to deal with guilt. That's bad guilt and worldly ways of dealing with guilt. And then there's godly guilt. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter seven, where Paul says, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. 
So I mentioned at the beginning of worship that we're in the series called Repent. And we're recognizing that there are actually several steps to the act of repentance. You know, the first thing is that we, we reflect on the fact that we are sinners in the first place, that recognizing, acknowledging that we're sinners. So last week when I was at our faith ministry center preaching, I mentioned a particular mirror that we have at my house. It's, uh, you know, on one side, it's just a little mirror about this big, but on one side, it's a regular mirror. You turn it around, it's a magnifying mirror. You know those? Where like every pore on your face feels like it's this big when you look in the mirror. Because, and I hate them, I hate those mirrors because they, they magnify every hair out of place, every wrinkle, every blemish, right? Every imperfection. I don't wanna look at that. It's grotesque. But what I mentioned last week is that God's word is like that mirror. It's almost like the closer you get to God and his holiness, you recognizing just how good God is, the more your life is reflected and magnified for all its grotesqueness, all the sin and all the, all the failures. It doesn't feel good, but it's actually good for us to recognize just how much we are in need of our Savior, Jesus. Reflecting on our lives and recognizing our sinfulness leads to godly sorrow. And godly sorrow brings repentance. I wanna just leave that, those words up on the screen for a minute. And I, I wanna for a couple minutes, just to kind of reflect on that, that link between sorrow and repentance. You know, a lot of times that word sorrow is a word that we associate with grief, the kind of grief when you lose someone that you love. Now, in ancient times, in the ancient world, especially in the Old Testament, it was customary when someone was grieving that, well, they did several things. One thing that they would do is actually, instead of sitting in a chair or on a cushion or a pad or something, they would sit on the floor. And this is, don't think of this like in our modern homes where you have a nice finished floor. They oftentimes had dirt floors and they would sit in the dust on the ground. As uncomfortable as that was, they would sit in the dust. They would also put on sackcloth when they were grieving. You think about this, this is a very um, uncomfortable kind of fabric like burlap. If you think about burlap, just how itchy and scratchy that is. Just think about wearing that, how uncomfortable it would be. And then in addition to the sackcloth and sitting in the dust, they would actually take ashes from the, the cold ashes from the fire pit and they would either pour it over their head or they would rub it on their arms and their legs. Um, and you think, why would they do that? This would be very dirty and uncomfortable. And the uncomfortable is exactly the point. 
that there's something in their outward expression that is reflecting what is going on internally. They are broken and uncomfortable with grief and that is expressed in this ash and dust and sackcloth. That's what they would do when they were grieving. Someone died and they were grieving that loss. Well, notice what happens also in the Bible. In Job 42, verse six, Job says, therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. So Job is actually using the same kind of practice where for people who were grieving the death of a loved one, he's doing the same thing in dust and ashes because of his sin. Another way of saying this, Job is mourning over his sin. He's grieving over his sin. He is as torn up about his faults and his sinfulness as if someone died. That's what's going on. That's godly sorrow. It's the kind of intense remorse that you hear about in Jesus' parable with a tax collector. The tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he, what does it say? He beat his breast. He said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Notice there's no excuse in those words. There's no blaming. There's no justifying, no denying, just confessing, just acknowledging that he had turned from God and there's repentance. There's a turning back to God. That's what repentance is. We're gonna actually talk about this in the next couple of weeks. The actual act of repentance is, I have been going away from God and I turn the other way and I turn toward God. And this is what this tax collector is doing, turning back to God. And then Jesus says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. A lot of people try to justify themselves in their own minds and in the eyes of others, but you're not gonna hide your sin from God and you're not gonna justify your sin before God except to come to Jesus. And that really is the point. This is what we always find when we turn back to God. Um, we said this earlier in our service, 1 John chapter 1. They're very familiar words actually to us as Lutherans. Oftentimes we use these words in our worship, in our confession. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And John goes on to say that if someone sins, we have an advocate, right? We have someone who speaks to us before the Father in our defense. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He says, Jesus is a sacrifice of atonement, atoning sacrifice for our sins, which means that Jesus is our substitute. 
We deserve to die because of our sins, but instead, Jesus died. He took the punishment. He is our atoning sacrifice. He suffered God's wrath for our sin. God, this is the thing, God can't just pretend that you didn't sin. God can't just treat you like it didn't happen. Because what did John say? God is faithful and just. He's a just God. But Jesus stands in our defense next to us so that when we sin, Jesus looks to the Father and says, I paid for that. I paid for that. And with Jesus, there is no, yeah, but. It's not like, yeah, I died for sin, but not yours. He doesn't say, yeah, I died for sins, but, but only for Republicans, right? Or, or only Lutherans, you know, none of that. Yeah, I died for sins, but nothing that big. You know, there, there's, if, there, if there is a yeah, but with Jesus, it's only this. Yeah, you sinned, but I paid for it. And so there, there should be no fear in coming clean because there's no condemnation for us in Christ. There's no reason why we can't fully transparent with God. He knows it already anyway. Just open up to him, no excuses, no need for pointing the finger and trying to justify ourselves or deny it. Just own it, grieve over it, and then let Jesus take it from you, which he has, and nail it to the cross. Finish with this last word of Jesus. Jesus in John chapter, or Matthew chapter five said, blessed are those who mourn. And I think that includes those who mourn over their sin. Blessed are those who mourn they will be comforted. Amen? Our band is making their way back up to the front. They're gonna lead us in our next song. And, and as they're coming up, let me just say a word of thanks for every way that you give to the work of Faith Lutheran Church as we, we um, continue to share the gospel message of hope in Jesus that we are saved, not because of anything that we do, but because of his work and his sacrifice for us. He is our atoning sacrifice, our substitute for us. Uh, so thank you for every way that you help us to do our work here uh, by your gifts and your sacrifices. Let's sing to the Lord. choose the humble and raise them high you choose the weak and make them strong you heal our brokenness inside give us life the same love that set the captives free the same love that opened eyes to see is calling us all by soul by name 
God, you're calling us to the cross and inviting us to lay down all of our burdens, come to your throne of grace and to trust that you hear us in our joys and in our concerns. And so we come to you, Lord. We bring you our, our prayers on behalf of those, especially who are suffering in this life today. We lift up to you those who have been hospitalized or are facing surgery, those who are nearing the end of their earthly journey. God, we, we pray for Audrey Rissi as she is uh, experiencing some ongoing health concerns. We pray for Alice Yore, who is home recovering and also experiencing a number of health issues. We pray for Mary Hove, who is gonna be having surgery this next week. Pray that you would give your strength to each and every one of these, your children who are calling out to you, even as they hear you calling them to the cross. We also pray for our sisters in the faith, Lorraine Paquette and Nancy Miller, who have been placed in hospice care and are in the last days of their lives. God, we pray that they would know your voice, that they would hear you calling when it's that time to lay down this life in anticipation of the resurrection and rest from their worries and rest from their pain. We pray that you would have mercy and come quickly. Call them to your nearer presence to enjoy rest and peace with you. God, we also pray on behalf of those who are grieving today, including Bill Lurkey and his family at the passing of his brother, Bob. Pray for the family of Tim Miller, including his wife, Karen as they're grieving Tim's passing this week. We also pray for Jeannie Leitzen and Terry Westby and their families as they're mourning the passing of their mother, Shirley. Pray, Lord, that you would point us all to your promise, the assurance of that last day when you will raise us to new life when all the sorrows and the griefs of this life will be laid aside and when we will see you face to face. Lord, give us hope and courage to face each and every day as we walk through a very difficult life and oftentimes a grieving life as we long to be with you. God, we also celebrate. Today we're celebrating, after our service today, baptism for Mia and Gabby Hernandez. Pray that you would bless Mia and Gabby with your Holy Spirit. Just 
pour out your blessing upon them, that they would follow you and be courageous in their witness for you, be able to testify about your love for them that is beyond our measure. All these prayers we lift up to you, Lord, and we trust that you hear us for Christ's sake, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. If you are worshiping with us at home and taking communion today, I invite you now to take and eat the body of Christ and take and drink the blood of Christ. If you're here with us in person, I invite you to make your way around a bit and share a greeting with those who are in worship with you today and enjoy the peace of the Lord. Down. Bye. 
snow wall you won't break down light won't sit down coming after me there's no shadow you won't light up mountain you won't climb up coming after me there's no body and blood of our Lord Jesus continue to strengthen you in faith and know that you're forgiven. Go in peace. We please stand. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. And all God's people say, amen. Oh,